And the title of the message, Keep Calm and Carry On. This morning, I want to begin that series that's simply called Keep Calm. Keep Calm and Carry On was a motivational uh, poster produced by the British government in 1939 in preparation for the Second World War. The poster was intended to raise the morale of the British public that was threatened and with the widely predicted mass air attacks on major cities. There were two and a half million of these posters that were uh, printed, and although the blitz did happen, the posters were hardly ever publicly displayed and was little known until a copy of it was rediscovered in the year 2000, about 15 years ago. The person that discovered that uh, got the message, was impressed by the message, and began to reproduce the, um, the poster again. And now it has been reissued in a number of ways, some honorable and some not so nice, as uh, a theme where you see uh, the crown and the message keep calm and then whatever goes with it. And I want to share with you five messages that will help us to keep calm. There are a lot of reasons to be upset in the world in which we are living. A lot of reasons. Uh, I don't even have to name even one. If uh, we used to do popcorn testimonies where we'd have someone to stand up and give a popcorn testimony. I love the Lord. I praise the Lord because, and then you would say, because he first loved me, because he is so good, because he is faithful, and a lot of different kinds of popcorn testimonies that, that people would offer, and, and they were very good. Today, we could give popcorn woes, and we could say, we'd like for you to stand up and say, uh, I need to be encouraged because, and people could stand up and they could give all kinds of reasons for uh, needing encouragement and reasons that they are discouraged today. And we could focus on those issues, and we have focused on those in the past. But for the next five weeks, I don't want to focus on those. I want to focus on something that will help us with whatever thing has got you tore up, with whatever thing that has disturbed you in your life. And rather than focus on the issues of the day, I want to concentrate on how we can keep calm. In fact, we can thrive. We can be encouraged in a threatening world. The first passage that we will consider is Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Well, the first thing that we see in this passage is that we are being watched. People are 
watching us. We are surrounded, the Bible says, by a great cloud of witnesses. We have people who are focusing on our lives. You say, Pastor Ray, I don't have anybody that's focusing on my life. Oh, yes, you do. We all do. All of us are being observed by someone. And for that reason, we need to learn our surroundings. We need to discover what is around us. Unless you're a hermit, there are always people observing your life and they're drawing conclusions based on what they are observing. Uh, And even if you are a hermit, they watch you even more, uh, hoping to figure you out. They watch you and they watch me. Why do they do that? Why do people watch us? Well, aside from something strange, and we always have the possibility of something strange, walking out of the the bathroom in a public place with toilet paper stuck to our shoe or something like that. There's always a uh, a reason that that people could be uh, looking at us. But aside from that, why do people watch us? I want to give you a few reasons that people are watching you, and you should learn your surroundings and realize that you're always, you're, when you leave this service today, and maybe you'll go to lunch somewhere, you're, somebody's going to be watching you, and here's the reason why. Maybe because of your presence. Sometimes people watch us because of our presence. Some people have a presence about them that draws attention. People just look at them because of their presence. It may be the way that you look, It may be the way that you carry yourself. It may be something distinct in your walk or something like that. Maybe you've got on some clothes that people are interested in because they look so good or they look so bad. Uh, It could be any number of reasons, but people, because of your presence, will watch you. It could be something distinct about you. It could be your hair. Maybe your hair is such that, that people will just look at you. They, they look at you because of your hair or maybe your beard. Maybe you, you, I would think those Duck Dynasty guys get a lot of stares, wouldn't you? I, I would think they get a lot of stares. I, I read about Jace uh, from Duck Dynasty going into, I want to say it was the, the Ritz Carlton or some really, really nice hotel in New York City. And uh, they told him that, that if he, what he was looking for was around the corner, they thought he was a homeless man. And uh, he was there uh, to stay there. Well, it may be that, that it's because of that. It may be a limp. Uh, my best friend in high school and college was David Busby, and David Busby had polio. And when David walked, he walked with a distinct, what I refer to as a polio limp. That may not be the right way to talk about it, but maybe uh, you're like David. You have a limp of some kind, and people look at you, and they say, I, I wonder what happened to that person. It could be that you have tattoos. Uh, it, it could be just the plain fact that you're pretty or you're, you're handsome. Uh, I've, I mean, I've lived with that all my life. And uh, so, well, isn't it funny that you laugh when I'm not meaning for it to be funny? No, it could be that you're just very pretty, very pretty people, very handsome people. They are, they're accustomed to, to folks looking at them. Our presence causes people to look at us. If you have a presence that causes others to look at you, don't resent it. Don't resent it. Just stay calm and offer yourself at your best. Offer who you are at your best uh, if you have a presence. Why do people look at us? 
Well, we have to learn our surroundings. Sometimes it's because of our presence. Sometimes it's because of our position. We have a position in life that people know about, and uh, so they look at us because of our position. And it doesn't have to be a public persona. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a a public face for this to, to take place. There may be someone from work or school or in the restaurant, somebody that, uh, or maybe one of your neighbors, and if you see them, if you see them shopping, you notice them because they're, they're close to you. They have a position in your life. The other day I was at Walmart, and I saw a little man who I see at the, uh, at the gym, at Gold's Gym. And uh, this, I, I, I've never talked to this man. He seems like a nice man. He's, he's older. Uh, he's an older man. He's short. And, and he has something of an Elmer Fudd uh, way about him. And, and I, I mean that in the most endearing way. I don't mean that <clears throat> as a, a slight uh, toward him. Uh, <clears throat> he, he has a little bit of an Elmer Fudd way. And as Jan and I the other day were walking into Walmart, I saw him coming across in front of an aisle pushing a cart. And he had this, this distinct walk about him that I think is very interesting. And, and he, he was <clears throat> walking with this, this card in front of me. And I, I told Jan, I said, that guy right there goes to Gold's Gym. He didn't look like he went to Gold's Gym. He, he, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't look at him and say, wow, that guy goes to Gold's Gym. But he does. He goes to Gold's Gym. And he had a position in my life simply because I see him there. Sometimes people uh, are, we, we are, because of our position, people look at us. Now, you may not remind anybody of Elmer Fudd, but if you have any position in life, and all of us do, all of us have position in life, we're going to find that there are people who are watching us. We have to be prepared for this at all times. Somebody is watching you either because of your presence or because of your position. Uh, A few weeks ago, Jan and I were down in Palm Beach Gardens, and we were visiting our son, Matthew, who's a police officer down there. And we were going into a restaurant, and uh, we had met up with Matthew as he had gotten off from work. And, and uh, we were going into a restaurant, and Matthew was in uniform. And we walked into this <clears throat> restaurant. It's called Rocco's Tacos, and uh, really a nice place, actually, down there. And, and so <clears throat> we were walking through the outdoor seating, and and uh, as, as I walked in the back and Mrs. Ray, Jan walked in the front and Matthew walked in between us. And uh, there were a couple of things that I noticed as I, as I was walking in behind Matthew. The first thing I noticed that Matthew was looking everywhere all the time. He was looking in, in every, at every person. He looked them right in the face everywhere at all the time as he was walking through there. He, he looked at everybody. And the other thing that I noticed was that they were looking at him. Uh, they weren't looking at me. They weren't looking at, at <clears throat> his mom. They were looking at him. And we walked through all of the outdoor seating, and people were looking at him. And we went into the restaurant to give them our name. And I heard a little voice uh, say, hey, 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 hey. And I turned around, and it was a little boy about this high, just about this high. <clears throat> I turned around and looked at him, and I said, are you talking to me? He said, no, the policeman. And I said, okay. And I said, Matthew, there's a a little guy back here that wants to talk to you. And Matthew turned around. And by this time, everybody was watching him because the little boy had now wanted to talk to him. 
and Matthew knelt down and he talked to this little boy and gave him a high five and gave him knucks and, and all of that. And everybody was fine and everybody was good. Here's the reality. Because of his position, people were watching him. Now, everybody has a position. You have a position. Somebody is watching you because of who you are in their lives or because of somewhere that they know you. It's important for all of us to stay familiar with our surroundings because people are watching us. They watch us because of our presence. They watch us because of our position. They watch us because of our profession. And when I'm talking about profession, I'm not talking about what you do for a living. I'm talking about if you name Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you are a born-again believer, then people are watching you simply because you claim to be a born-again believer. You are surrounded, the Bible says, and this is specifically what it's talking to. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and you can count on it. You can count on the fact that people are watching you, whether at work or at school, in the community, uh, wherever it may be, where they know that you are a born-again believer, you can count on the fact that people are watching you because of your position. They have their eyes on you. Here's a verse that has application to this, but we usually don't think of it in this light. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. That means this, at all times we are on display and we are to be ready to speak for the hope that is within us. Now, if we're going to have to be ready to speak for the hope that is within us, we're going to need to have a, a, be a good reflection on the hope that is within us. So that when someone asks us about something and we say to them, uh, uh, well, it's because uh, uh, of this, this, or this, they're not surprised that we're saved. If, if there might be some people in your life that if, if, uh, you, you uh, were to tell them that you were a Christian, they'd be surprised because they don't see that necessarily in you. In the surroundings of life that you're in, I hope that's not true, but in the surroundings of life that you're in, it may very well be that, that even though you are a believer, the, the fruit that you might be putting forth is, is not uh, that of a believer. And we have to be careful about that always and at all times. It is important for us to know that people are watching us and to learn our surroundings. One of the toughest situations that we can find ourselves in is to lose our cool in public and discover that someone we know is nearby. I mean, to absolutely lose it in public and then find out that there was someone we know and someone who knows us who was nearby. Now, here's the thing that I'm glad for. I'm glad to know that in this congregation, none of you have ever done that. I am, I am comforted to know that there's no one other than me uh, in this room right now who has ever had that experience where you lost your cool and then came to realize, you know what? Everybody was watching me as I lost my cool. 
I, I hope that, that you've never uh, been really unkind to a uh, server in a restaurant, and then later on that server in the restaurant discover, or that server know, or somebody else know, that you're a believer and, and that it went around there. We, we have to learn, folks. We have to learn to keep calm and to carry on. We have to learn our surroundings and realize that people are watching us. Why do they watch us? Sometimes they watch us because of our presence. Sometimes they watch us because of our our position. And they especially watch us because of our profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, once you learn your surroundings, how do you keep calm and carry on? Well, here's the second thing. You've got to lose your baggage. There's some baggage that all of us carry that we have to lose if we're going to keep calm and carry on. We're still looking at verse 1 of our text. Let's go to the middle part of that verse. Going, starting again, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's that we've got to learn our surroundings. Here's the second thing. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, do you see that? We have in our lives, each one of us, weights and sins that hinder us or prevent us from keeping calm and carrying on. Now, what are weights? I think we should know what weights are in our lives, but do we know what the weights are and what they do in our lives? Here's what weights do in our lives. They tire us out. In, in life, there is baggage and everyone carries baggage. It's not really noticed until it wears you down. There may be some people in your life that you know, and they're not doing very well today, and, and uh, they're not doing well spiritually. They're not doing well emotionally. They're just kind of in a, a bad part of their lives. And, and you say, I don't know why they're in such a bad part of their lives. Everything seemed okay. But you didn't realize that they were carrying baggage, and that baggage continued to tire them out until they became, as the Bible said, they became weary in uh, well-doing or in doing, doing the good thing. We have to lose that baggage that tires us out. It, it's hard to carry on. Now look, the only way to press on without the baggage of life weighing you down and tiring you out is to do something with it. You have to get rid of it. You have to stop carrying that baggage. Now the obvious thing would be uh, to just sit it down, to just sit down the baggage and say, all right, I'm not going to be concerned with this part of life anymore. I'm going to sit this down. I'm going to do something about this. Sitting it down may mean that you, you have a lifestyle change and you do something about it. Sitting it down may mean that you have a change in your heart and you do something about it. Sitting it down can be any number of things, but you determine I'm going to sit this baggage down. And that's not a bad idea, but there's a better idea. It's a good idea to sit the baggage down. Here's the better idea. I want you to hear this better idea. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Better than sitting your baggage down is to give your baggage a good toss. Just a good throw. I remember years ago, I was uh, on an airplane on a senior trip. 
And uh, um, you're just going to have to bear with me here. This is, some of you are going to think this is awful. Uh, <clears throat> but I was on, on a senior trip, and, uh, and I was waiting until all of our students got on. They put all the other passengers on, then they put all of our students on. And then I was the last one to get on because I was waiting to make sure that all of our students got on. And uh, there, was a, um, there, there were several flight attendants. A couple of them were male flight attendants. And the one male flight attendant that I got was, um, he, he was different from me. And, and so I got on the airplane, and I was having fun with my kids. This was a long time ago. This is before 9-11. This is before a lot of the, the real uptightness was going on. And so I got on with a carry-on. And when I got on with a carry-on, the, the guy looked at me, and he said, all of the overhead bins are full. Um, he said, I, I, there's, there's no place for that. And that's what he said to me. He said all the over, and, and he didn't say it in a mean way or anything like that. And, and you know, he was a little flamboyant, and, and, and uh, he said all of, all of the, uh, the stuff is, is on, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to talk like he did. I know some of you are waiting for me to break into that, and I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to. So, so <clears throat> he's, he said, you're not going to be able to do that. And so I looked at him, and I said, then, and I, was, I did this totally jokingly. I said, then I'll leave it here. And I threw that thing back out into the, the rampway, in, into the, the walkway. I mean, I literally tossed that thing back out in the walkway. And he looked at me and he said, you're so bad. <laughs> he said, I'll find a place for it. So he put it, put it in there. By the way, the rest of that flight, he paid so close attention to me and everything that I wanted, I, you know, every single thing. And it was really interesting because a couple of the female flight attendants came up and they said, do you know him? And I said, no. I don't. And they said, well, you really made an impression. I said, oh, I understand that. I made an impression. Look, I, all I did was toss my baggage. I just, just tossed my baggage and it made an impression on somebody. I tossed my baggage. Look, let, let me tell you, that's not a bad idea for what you do with the baggage in this life. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. That's actually what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take those things that are tiring us out and weighing us down and causing us to think that we can't carry on, and we're supposed to toss them. We're supposed to give them a toss not back out into the rampway, but we're to toss them to the Lord. And the reason is because the Lord wants to catch them. The Lord wants to have them. What is it in your life that, that you're dealing with most every day, the thing that, that is weighing you down, the thing that makes it hard for you to get up in the morning, the things that makes it hard for you to go to work, aside from running the only uh, running away from them, which is what a lot of people do, the only real way to deal with it is to give it a good toss to the Lord. And that's what I would encourage all of us to do, is the Lord knows that we're tired of these things. He says, cast all of those things on me because I care for you. 
And if we'll just toss them in his direction and not run him down to pick them back up again, we might find ourselves in a will to carry on. We have to carry on, lose the baggage. That means get rid of those things that tire us out. It also means get rid of the things that tie us up. It goes on and the the verse says that we are to lay aside every weight. And then it says, and sin, which clings so closely. There are those things that tie us down and they should be given to the Lord. But sin is a little bit different. Sin ties us up. Normal activities of life are bound by the overriding sin issues in our lives. If you've got an overriding sin issue in your life, it is tying you up. I mean, right now, you can feel the pull of the strings on your life right now because of that, whatever that overriding sin is. You can feel the pull. And in order to carry on, you have to loose yourself from that binding sin. You have to say, I, I can't be tied up by this anymore. This is, this is not good for me. This is not allowed. Not only am I tired out, but I'm tied up. And the reason I'm tied up is because I've got this thing that keeps coming back into my life. And I can't get rid of this thing that keeps coming back in my life. And, and there is a way to get rid of it, but you've got to cut the ties with it first. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we deal with those things in our spiritual life and the walk that tires us out and the sin that ties us up, then we can be on pace in the race. If you're not on pace in the race, it's probably because that you have something that has tired you out or is tiring you out or something that has tied you up. The Bible says that once you deal with those things, whether they're tiring you out or tying you up, here's what you can do. You can run with endurance the race that is set before you. And that word endurance is a wonderful word. It means perseverance. It means bearing up with patience and determination. You can run your race like that once you find the key to staying refreshed and be free from the binding of sin in your life. We're talking about how to stay calm and carry on. We're talking about it when there are things around us that are slowing us down and weighing us down and hurting us and making us feel bad and and keeping us from being who we want to be. How do you deal with that? Well, first of all, you got to learn your surroundings. Secondly, you got to lose your baggage. Here's the third thing. You got to look to Jesus. That's where it is right there. Verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. One day two boys were playing in the snow, and when they decided that they would decide who could make the straightest path toward a tree. And one boy fixed his eyes on the tree, and he went right toward that tree, and he never moved his eyes. The other boy would walk for a while, and he would turn around and see how he was doing. And then he'd walk a little further, and he'd turn around and see how he was doing. When it was over, they both were at the tree, but one path was straight, and the other path was just all over the place. And you know the reason for the difference. The reason is because one guy kept his eyes on the tree, and the other kept turning around to look at life around him. Here's where so many of us go wrong. We get our eyes off of Jesus. Rather than die to self and keep our focus on Him, we do all the wrong things and we become discouraged, we become bitter, and we become ready to give up. If you're walking around with something grieving in your spirit, 
it is more than likely that the grief entered your life when you took your eyes off of Jesus. That's when your path got crooked. That's when you said, man, alive, I've taken these detours. Why did I take these detours in my life? Because you moved your focus off of Jesus. You missed the rampway. You missed the exit. You did not take the path that God had for you to take. Why? Because you got your eyes off of Jesus. Now, there's three reasons that we ought to keep our eyes on Jesus. Let me tell you what they are. First of all, He's our source. I talked about this earlier in the offering. Keeping calm and carrying on begins with an understanding of our source. If your source is anything other than God, you're going to meet with frustration and you're going to meet with it often. You'll be frightened, you'll be embarrassed, you'll be unsettled, you'll be generally unhappy. Why? Because you allowed yourself to think something or uh, think that something or someone other than God is your source. Now, all of you have what you would think is a primary source in your life. You have a job, you have parents, you have a retirement, you have something that, that you think is the primary source in your life. None of those are the primary sources in any of our lives. You've got to remember what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him. Who's that? Jesus Christ. Why? He's the primary source. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, here's what that means. That when you're a young person, your primary source is God. Here's what that means. That means that when you are prosperous and powerful, your primary source is God. When you are on top of the world, uh, your primary source is God. When you're old and it seems like people don't listen to you anymore, your primary source is God. Look, we can stay encouraged in our lives if we understand where our source is and we keep our focus on our source. If your focus is on the stock market, it's hard to stay calm and carry on. If your focus is is on your wealth, it's hard to stay focused. It's, It's hard to keep calm and carry on. If your focus is on your youth, it's hard to keep calm. You have to keep your focus on Jesus because He is your source. Here's the second thing that He is. He's our Savior. He's our source and He's our Savior. Now, this is interesting to me. If salvation has an eternal impact, and it does, if salvation has an eternal impact, let let me ask you this. Why can't it last for a lifetime with us? And here's what I mean by that. So, So many of us are born again, but we get born again and are so thankful to be born again and then put our salvation on hold until we die. You, you weren't saved just for the sweet by and by. You were saved for the nasty now and now. Salvation is now and forever. We can live in victory and we can carry on because we are saved right now. We're not going to be saved. We're not thinking about being saved. If you're saved, if you're born again, if you know for sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven because Jesus Christ is your personal Savior and Lord, that is not insurance for eternity, although it is. That is assurance for today. 
We, look, you can keep calm and carry on when you keep your eyes on Jesus and realize he is my source. He is my salvation. Here's the third thing. He is my strength. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not sure why how many of us live like this? That's probably why we have a hard time keeping calm and carrying on. We have allowed the things around us to upset us. You say, well, Pastor Ray, aren't you upset with the direction of the world today? Oh, yes, I am. Oh, boy, I really am. Which, by the way, the fifth message in this series is going to be, keep calm, Jesus is coming. I'm really upset with the way things are in this world. This world's a mess. It is a true, genuine, bona fide mess. Well, Pastor Ray, how can you keep calm in a true, genuine bonafide, messy world like this. Well, the only one way is to keep my eyes on Jesus. You remember the, the verse earlier where the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You remember that verse, verse uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You, you want to know the context of that verse? Here's what he said just prior to that verse in Philippians 4.11 and 12. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, Paul said those words just before he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And that is the reason that I know that we can keep calm and carry on in a tumultuous world is because we can keep our eyes, we can keep our focus on Jesus. What are we talking about today? We're talking about keeping calm and carrying on. And how do you do that? Well, you got to learn your surroundings, realize that people are watching you. You got to lose the baggage, the things that tire you out and tie you up. You got to look to Jesus. And the reason you look to Jesus is because he's our savior and he's our source and he's our strength. And here's the final thing, live to finish. Live to finish. I think the last two verses of our text are the most powerful, but most people stop before they get to them. Hebrews 12 and verse 3, consider him, that's Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. If we can keep before us what Jesus did in his sacrifice for our sins, we can make it. If we can understand no matter how bad it gets, Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave himself for me. Jesus Christ cares about me. Then we can be renewed. We can carry on I want to close by reading you an excerpt from a Billy Graham book. In his book, Nearing Home, Life, Faith, and Finishing Well, 
Billy Graham wrote these inspiring words. Growing old has been the greatest surprise of my life. The young life, the young live for here and now. Thinking ahead seems to be in the form of dreams and that promise fairy tale endings. Though I am nearing 93, and I think, of course, he's past that now. It doesn't seem so long ago that I was one of those dreamers, filled with great expectations, planning a life that would satisfy my every desire. Since there were few things in life that I loved more than baseball, as a young man, I dedicated myself to the sport and hoped that my passion for the game would lead me straight to the major leagues. My goal was simple, stand at home plate with a bat in hand, immersed in an important game. I often pictured myself hitting a big league grand slam into the stadium seats and hearing the crowd roar and thunder as I ran the bases nearing home. I never would have guessed what lay in store. After giving my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of my sin, and putting my entire life into his hand, I laid down my dreams along with my bat and fully embraced God's plan for my faith. Trusting that he would lead me all the way, he did, he is, and he will. As I look back, I see how God's hand guided me. I sense his spirit with me today. And most comforting is the knowledge that he will not forsake me during this last stretch as I am nearing home. That gives me hope, a will to carry on. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Or as I've told you this morning, keep calm and carry on.